A group of friends and I were taking an introductory philosophy class together. We had a test coming up, so we decided to meet at a coffee shop near campus for a study session. And just as we began, another friend who was a philosophy major nearing graduation came in. He sauntered up to our table, greeted us, and remarked with a smirk, Well, I'm going to be right over there. Let me know if you need any answers. Well, I had had just enough philosophy that I came up with what I thought was a pretty good rejoinder. I'll tell you what I said coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. I'm Patrick Conley, your host for the hour of spiritual direction ahead. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, my friend teased our philosophy study group with some bit of mock pride, I'd say, saying, let me know if you need any answers. And then I raised my eyebrows to him and donning a smirk to match his, quipped, you let us know if you need any questions. We smirked at each other a brief moment, and then he nodded slightly in acknowledgement of the value of my reply before retiring to his table. You see, we all need questions. If you've given up asking questions, you've abandoned one of the most godly pursuits there is, especially when it comes to loving God with your mind. But the questions that drive us deeper into interaction and intimacy with God do not merely seek information. They seek knowledge, understanding, counsel, and wisdom. And to that end, today, here on The Inner Life, we're doing a little question free-for-all we call Ask Me Anything. I got If you've got a burning question about God, the church, or the practice of your Catholic faith, that's uh, your prompting to give us a call and join in and, uh, yeah, ask it of our spiritual director. Maybe you've had a con- conversation recently with someone who's asked you a question and you weren't sure how to respond. Maybe there's an obstacle that's popped up in your faith journey that you're seeking advice on. Whatever may be on your heart and mind to ask about, the phone lines are open. 888-914-9149 is our phone number here. 888-914-9149 or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Fielding your questions today and hoping to offer some understanding and wisdom is our friend, Father Michael Hurley. Father Michael is a Dominican priest from Pacifica, California, currently serving as the pastor of St. Dominic Parish in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. Good morning and welcome back to the program, Father. Delighted to be back with you, Josh. I'm 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 excited for questions. Yeah, well, I'm I'm excited to pitch questions for you, and I've I've got one to you right now. I'm just going to start off, although this Uh-oh. one's rather this is a little bit uh, this is on the silly side. So okay. today, as you likely first know, know is the first day of astronomical summer, and I'm wondering um, what's it like wearing a white habit during summer? Is it actually is does it help to wear a white habit rather than say shorts and a t-shirt? Yeah, no, for for sure. I mean, you you just look at people who live in very warm climes, you know, so to speak. You know, you I think of like Lawrence of Arabia or something out in the desert, and he basically has you know white white linen. So that's what we got. So it actually, it's it's quite good. Now you get the the kappa, so we've got the black coat, you know, kind of right. cope or a cape, and then yeah. then then you can then you can heat up a little bit. So but if you go with the if you go with the summer wear, the less formal wear, no, it's it's uh, it, it's as long as you got breathable fabric, you're good to go. <laughs> you're well, good to that's. Go. I would imagine that's really good, especially for uh, Bay, Bay Area, California. You want to, you probably want to stay a little cool this time of year, and uh, certainly throughout the summer. 
Well, uh, again, grateful that you're you're joining us. And again, if uh, if you have this is a, a free for all, a question free for all here on the Inner Life for our spiritual director, Father Michael Hurley from California. And uh, if you have a question about theology, about the Bible, about moral questions, about sacramental questions. About the religious life, uh, Father could handle those just like he just handled one of mine there. So give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149, or send us an email at our email address, which is innerlife at relevantradio.com. Father, I, I guess a little reflection here at the top, just to, you know, my uh, my opening salvo there was uh, was about the need for questions. Maybe run us through why are questions important in the spiritual life? Oh, absolutely. It's, I think it goes down to the, just a human need that we, we, you find what you're looking for, so to speak, and it's just a human basic principle. And so if we're truly to find truth, I mean, Aristotle says all the way back in the Greek philosophy that all knowledge, all truth begins with wonder. <laughs> and to take uh, the idea of what a question is, is a question is that human expression of wonder. We wonder why. <laughs> you know, that's a, it's a kind of a basic question we all have. And so uh, there's a real need in our spiritual life, certainly to, to uh, find and discover the truth, but the, the spiritual life and then our own human life begins with a I think, studied and uh, intentional, uh, opening ourselves up to the wonder of all that's around us. And so we, there's no way, I'll put it this way, there's no way to progress in the spiritual life unless we cultivate that gift of wonder, unless we're seeking, unless we're asking questions. And, and in Thomas Aquinas is very funny in this great uh, Summa. Sometimes I remember the very first time I opened that book as a, as a, as a college student, and uh, Thomas asked very early on in the Summa, he asks a question. He says, does God exist? <laughs> and right. I thought, well, it's going to be a short book if the answer is no here. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Very good point. I like that. But, yeah. but, uh, but, but, but no, in other words, here's someone who certainly has, you know, the, 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 the full, you know, the, a priest, intelligence, you know, one of the great minds of all Western civilization. But he takes the time to ask even the most basic questions or something that we might, you know, from Scripture take for granted or just take as revealed. And he thinks it's worth um, asking the question, even at a human level, just does God exist? That's certainly it's a profound kind of question, a basic question. But there, there are no questions that are too basic for us to ask. And in seeking the answer, we know that God is the ultimate truth, not just truth about God, but the truth who is God, uh, we can never comprehend it. So in other words, <laughs> short, to put it in a, just a brief way, we will never run out of asking questions. <laughs> There'll mm-hmm. always be another question that we can ask, at least on this side of uh, the veil. Yeah. And uh, I will say, though, that there's there's sometimes a temptation to get caught up in the questions to the extent mm-hmm. that we never really, you know, we never really take on board the answers. Have you ever experienced that kind of thing, Father? Oh, absolutely. And I, and I mean, once again, there can be extremes either way. And so there can yeah. be a kind of almost analysis paralysis, right, right where we get we get to we we fail to do uh, the thing that's right in front of us. And this comes oftentimes to either moral action or because we we kind of stay in a theoretical uh, state of limbo or state of paralysis and don't do the most obvious thing, even if it's not the fullness of what we can do, we can get kind of uh, stuck. It's it's it bedevils not only 
folks making moral choices, but you know, when I'm I'm standing in the uh, supermarket, you know, choosing which toothpaste to buy, and it would be easier if there were just you know one or two brands, but there's yes. <laughs> 19 brands. So I'm thinking, okay, what's going to whiten my teeth? What's going to protect my teeth? What's going to give me a nice smile? All of a sudden, you're just like, I don't, <laughs> I don't be here if there was you know one brand and you could just take it so sometimes when it comes to to uh to kind of getting too involved in questions we we um we fail to appreciate the truth that's right before us and respond to it all right well that's what we're all we are we are asking questions of our spiritual director it's a it's a question free for all here on the inner life today with our spiritual director <laughs> father michael hurley dominican priest and uh, pastor of saint dominic parish in the archdiocese of san francisco why don't we go to the phones? Let's uh, let's go. We've got people calling in already. There are some lines open. 888-914-9149 is the number to call uh, if you have a question, any question about God, the faith, uh, your Catholic practice, anything like that. Um, give us a call. We'll try to get you on the air. So we're going first to David calling in from Santa Ana, California. Good morning, David. Thanks for calling in. Yes, sir. Good morning. Great, great. So anyway... Um uh, yeah, I go to. I live in Santa Ana, and I go to Our Lady of uh, the Pillar in in the city of Santa Ana, California. And uh, one of the questions I was asking the other day, well, was when we, when we do the litany of the Rosary, I've noticed, um, like you'll say, for example, Tower of David, pray for us. Uh, uh, I don't have the litany for them, but like the House of Gold, pray for us. Um, and I was just wondering. Uh, what would that would uh, mean? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, okay. Oh, so you, oh, yeah, the litany of Loretto. Yes, the litany of Loretto. That? That's correct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no. So there's there's uh, all well, just to step back for a second. Are you are you question, are you asking about the litanies in general or a particular title of Mary? No, just just in general, just in general itself, as we do the litany. Uh, uh, you know, I know yeah. we have like uh, I, I don't have the litany in front of me, so uh, sure. um, yeah, no, no, no worries. Yeah, now, no, so here's the go ahead. Now I was going to say the uh, uh, being in uh, when you say Loretta, would that be like in uh, Loretto, Italy? Yeah, no. So it's it's the it's the uh, it's the house, the shrine that's at uh, Loretto. Uh, and there, it was certainly the devotion to Our Lady of Loretto is based on that. Uh, but like the devotional places, there's also prayers that get associated with it. Um, so I, I think it was probably Middle Ages when uh, the devotion kind of was very popular and the litany was, in fact, um, promulgated. Uh, but in general, litanies have to do with um, putting ourselves in that moment of, of prayer to worship God and to be connected to those who have gone before us. So litanies in general go all the way back to like the Old Testament. So in other words, I don't know if you remember the time in the Bible when God rescues the people out of Egypt. So he takes them through the Red Sea. They're, they're biologically related uh, through being sons of, of, of Jacob, but they really aren't formed as God's people yet. They don't have the Ten Commandments. They don't have any, but their first instinct, when they come through the Red Sea and God delivers them, they begin to chant. <laughs> Miriam leads in this great chant of blessing the, the, the mercies of God endure forever. And so from the very you know, most ancient sorts of prayers is this kind of call and response where we, if you will, sink our mind and our words 
towards a kind of repetition that puts us in a kind of a, a state of worship or a state, a state of prayer. And so litanies are a kind of expression of that. They go all the way back to that ancient time. We see it in the Psalms as well. And so all of the titles for the Blessed Virgin Mary that you might see in, in the uh, litany of Loretto, or we had the, recently the Immaculate Heart of Mary uh, there, you've got um, different um, traditional associations with Mary, especially through scripture, um, and especially through uh, the devotion that kind of welled up in the church, uh, especially after the uh, descending of the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of the, the idea of a, of, a, of, a, of a, like the rosary itself, the idea of a litany itself is to put us in connection to the devotion that leads us to the Lord in a kind of a contemplative way that uses the repetition of the prayers, like the Psalms themselves, uh, to create, if, if you will, a kind of space or a flow or a rhythm of God being able to speak to our hearts and, and make his presence uh, full to us. Does that kind of, does that help? Yeah, I think that, I think that's good. I mean, I'm learning stuff already and I, I love okay. it, Father. So yeah, yeah, very good background on litanies. And again, if you have any question regarding the church, God, uh, theology, Bible, moral life, sacramental life, anything like that. We're having a question free for all today on The Inner Life with our spiritual director, Father Michael Hurley. And you can give us a call at 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Next up is Pat calling in from Edmonton, Alberta. Well, welcome, Pat. Good to hear from you. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. I have a question, two questions about the Mass. One of them involves people, us, us parishioners, and the, one, the other one is about the priest. The one about the parishioners is, why do we strike our breasts during the Lord have mercy? Is that just an old-fashioned custom that's still around, or should we be doing that, or what? Yes, absolutely. So especially when it's the first, so there are, there are different um, ways to do that kind of penitential act before the, the Kyrie and the, the first form, uh, when the I confess, the confidior, uh, the tradition is to strike one's breast. And once again, this is like I talked a little bit about litanies being a kind of human expression of praising God. The, the kind of beating of the breast goes once again all the way back to ancient <laughs> times. So to, to kind of strike one's heart uh, is a, a sign of compunction or contrition. And so uh, if you think once again, when, uh, when Israel uh, is out in the desert and they're failing the Lord, Moses indeed uh, strikes the rock, he does other things, uh, and the people they, they mourn with in sackcloth and ashes and they beat their breast, right, as a sign of sorrow, of compunction. And so Ooh. that's uh, given to us in the liturgy when we say, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. So it's, there's these triptychs, these, if you will, threefold expressions. When you say anything three times, it kind of mirrors the, if you will, the perfection of the Trinity, <laughs> so to speak, to go right to the to, to, to kind of the, the mystical meaning. And so you say, I, my, I've sinned profoundly, and yet I'm asking God for mercy. So as I'm beating my breast, so to speak, I make, I kind of shake up my heart so that the Lord can find space there. That may be a more imaginative uh, kind of <laughs> image for you. But then to, uh, and I know you have another question about the priest, but the priest does this as well in the um, in the prayers, the Eucharistic prayers, where he says, uh, call on me a sinner, and he just taps his breast lightly. So the priest does it himself, even in his own prayers. So it's, it's not just for the people. The priest actually Ooh. joins in at a different part of Mass as well. Oh, cool. Okay, but the, the question I had about the priest is when you guys, yes. when you're at the altar and you're consecrating the host and the wine, why do you lean over the cup and the bread? 
um, and some do, and some do not. And then you kind of like speak the words to the host. I just wonder yes. why that, why you do that. That's an excellent uh, question for sure. And you wouldn't necessarily know the answer unless you ask a priest. So I'm glad you're asking. It's because in the rite itself, there are in the books that we use uh, the, uh, the for the missile, there are everything we say is in uh, black text. So if it's an option to be said, it's in black. But then there are little uh, red instructions uh, called rubrics, which tell you what to do, right? So you do the red and you say the black, as I had a teacher say. So what it says when you are consecrated, <laughs> the host and the wine, it actually says the priest, it, it, it asks you to slightly incline over the elements. So it's there in the text. It's an instruction for the priest. Now, some priests will do it a little more uh, demonstratively than others. That's going to be, I think, just personal uh, kind of preference and, you know, and uh, physical ability and just, you know, everyone's going to be a little bit different that. But there should be some kind of at least inclination. And the reason for that is because we truly believe that the words, the actual as you say the words, uh, the host is transformed into Jesus' body. The, chal- the wine and the chalice is transformed to Jesus' blood. And so all the sacraments have a, um, a physical connection. In other words, you can't hear confession at a distance. It's got to be in person. You can't, you know, consecrate, you know, three, <laughs> 300 miles away. It has to be in proximity. And so the idea is that the very breath, the very word, just as God's, if you will, his breath breathed into Adam, you know, gave life to uh, humanity, that the soul, the you know, unrepeatable soul. So too, the, the words of the priest, you know, empowered by the Holy Spirit in their ordination, bring to life the Lord's body and his blood. And so the inclination is a physical sign of the spiritual reality of transubstantiation. Mm, wow. I hope that helps, Pat. That was, that was really instructive to me as well. And I really, and Father, maybe before Pat just, uh, uh, well, I, I assume she's going to continue to listen to the program here too, but I, I wanted to ask you, I mean, one of the things that really broke this open for me is when I actually purchased a daily missile for myself yes. to look through. I mean, that's there's nothing wrong with that, is there? No, not at all. No, we were, <laughs> it's kind of like a, you get, because you both uh, can follow along, but right. then, uh, depending on the missile, you kind of get the, you get the, if you will, the stage, you get a little bit of the behind the scenes, yeah. so to speak, you know, <laughs> exactly. from the perspective. Get to the, you get the so. stage directions in there as exactly. well. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. You get a little behind the scenes, which uh, is always All right, good. <laughs> the rubrics. We don't, we don't yeah. intend to make fun, of course, of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass or the liturgy at all. I, I love it because oh, I'm no. a bit of a liturgy nerd myself. And anyway, so Pat, thank you for the call. We are doing a question free for all today with our spiritual director, Father Michael Hurley. Dominican priest and pastor of St. Dominic Parish in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. If you have a question about God, the Church, the faith, anything related to those types of topics, feel free to give us a call, 888-914-9149. Still a few phone lines open, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We're going to take a short break, but there's lots more to come, so stick around. If you are in the market for health insurance, our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is here to help you and your family find the most cost-effective health plan. Learn more at RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. My name is Patrick Conley. Our spiritual director today is Father Michael Hurley taking your questions. It's a free-for-all question day here on The Inner Life. So any question about 
the Lord, the church, the faith, the Bible, theology, morality, sacramental life, anything religious life, of course, uh, as Father Hurley is a Dominican priest as well. You can feel those as well. Let's go back to the phones now. Mary is calling in from Shawano, Wisconsin. Mary, welcome to The Inner Life. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, my question is just one out of curiosity. Was St. Paul ever ordained a priest where he could celebrate the Mass? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, St. Paul, they laid hands. So there's the laying on of hands that the apostles do and so yeah he's he's certainly uh, in fact not only was that he was uh, he, he came to uh, Rome with Peter so he would have been not only a uh, if you will ordained if you will a priest but uh, uh, a bishop and a, uh, having the episcopacy so yeah absolutely okay because I was reading the Acts and stuff and then it's like there was never reference that so I was just wondering yeah, so the, okay yeah so the, so the laying on it so the the reference you'll get there even though it's is is the laying on of hands is often the the, uh, the the kind of code language, if you will, or at least the 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 the, the what's thought to be, because that's that's where you actually the rite of ordination, the essential part, is the laying out of hands by uh, a successor of the apostle. Hmm. Okay, thank you very much. You're so welcome. Right. Thanks for calling, Mary. Appreciate the call. Let's go now to Mercedes calling in from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Mercedes, welcome to the show. Hi, our Father and Patrick. Hello. In the Bible. Did the Holy Spirit ever verbally speak? I know it came down uh, in tongues of fire to the apostles, and they gained knowledge. But did, but did the Holy Spirit ever verbally speak in the Bible, uh, throughout the Bible? That's, that's a great question. I'm scanning my memory here for a moment just to make sure that nothing's popping to mind. But I don't think so. We have God the Father speak. This is my beloved Son. Of course, Christ, the whole point was to reveal the Father. Uh, but it seems that the Holy Spirit it doesn't speak except to our hearts. And the first, if you will, miracle is that he enables speech to be understood by all. So, in other words, just at the Tower of Babel, the pride of you know human beings causes if you will, chaos or dissension, the kind of origin of diverse languages comes through a moment of kind of pride and, and wanting to exalt oneself over God. The Holy Spirit in that moment takes the people from all over the world who are there to celebrate the giving of the law, the Pentecost day, the Torah, and enables when Peter's preaching uh, to be able to, if you will, speak with, or at least to be heard with one divine, if you will, language by the Spirit. So in terms of audible speaking, as we would understand it, nothing's coming to mind, but if you will, the whole point of speech, that is communication of the divine, is truly at the heart of what the Spirit is. It's, it's if you will, not an exterior word that comes from the outside, but if you will, an inner word that's spoken to our heart through which we can speak to the heart of others. I like that, Father. And, you know, what What springs to mind for me when you're talking about, especially the day of Pentecost and everything, is that uh, maybe we can, the way that we can say the Holy Spirit speaks is using our voices, right? I mean, it, just like he used in, in the apostles at the day of Pentecost. Absolutely. And I think that's the point is where, yeah. where Christ right. is exterior to us. I mean, he walks out. The Holy Spirit is, if you will, uh, the spirit of Christ from within us, <laughs> if you right. will, to animate us and to speak through us. So, yeah, right. absolutely. 
which is fascinating in and of itself. We could spend the rest of the show just thinking about that. But we won't do that because we're fielding your questions today here on The Inner Life. If you have a question about uh, God, the church, the faith, the sacraments, the religious life, the Bible, whatever it is, give us a call. Love to take your call, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Let's go now to Teresa calling in from Winters, California. Teresa, welcome. Good morning. Um, Father um, Patrick, I have a question. I've heard the explanation many times, but for some reason I still just don't get it. Um, in regards to the consecration of the, um, the bread and wine, um, when, uh, you know, we're t- uh, told that the, the bread is, is uh, transformed to the body of, uh, of uh, Jesus and the wine is transferred to the, his blood, but I can visually see it and I believe it, but I just don't fully get it. I don't, when I'm taking in the body, as I'm taking in the host, um, and it's transformed. I just don't understand. Uh, they say that it's true and that it's um, that's what I'm taking in, but I I don't under- truly understand. Am I am I taking in his body or his person or I'm not sure. Yeah, no, Teresa, it's it's a great question, um, and I guess the, the kind of the approach you what might make is to ask yourself. What, it, what exactly are you seeking to understand? And if it's, it's truly how it is that the Lord is present to us, um, that's a deep mystery. So it's, it's something we can continue. In other words, there shouldn't be. And Thomas Aquinas, who uh, himself was asked to uh, write uh, all the prayers for the great feast of Corpus Christi, uh, which is based on a miracle or inspired by a miracle where the host actually turns into blood and actually is, is uh, you, you can see the physical transformation. Uh, he says that, you know, it, it beggars our imagination, right? It's, words can't put into, uh, into speech the true miracle and the mystery of what's happening there. Uh, but at the same time, we, we say what we can and we ponder the mystery. So when it comes to uh, the, uh, you know, with that moment of consecration, I know that just privately, we talked a little bit earlier about the kind of the, the, the gestures that the priests make. Uh, the little prayer that I like to say when I elevate the host, because I'm, I get, I, you know, I have a front row seat right there. It's when I say, this is my body, this is my blood. And I simply elevate the host for all those to uh, acknowledge, worship, and adore. I just simply say what uh, St. Uh, Thomas, who was kind of the doubter or the questioner, if you will, said. And when he, when the Lord says, come and touch my side, and he doesn't quite fully understand, but he just simply says, my Lord and my God. <laughs> he says, Jesus is really there. And so that's, all, for myself, that's, in fact, the best I can do is to say, I believe, Lord, my Lord and my God. So just by acknowledging that God is there, then we do exactly what he told us to do, take and eat and do in remembrance of me. So I think it's, it's interesting, it's, it was observed that Jesus didn't say, take this and understand it. He said, Take it and eat it, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. He said, take an experience, if you will. And so oftentimes, and if you're struggling, if you're feeling a kind of at a distance or there's a particular way in which you feel at a distance or the, the, re- the reception of Holy Communion is uh, not just experientially feeling kind of dry, uh, the, the very, 
I think, wonderful practice is to come and just sit in the presence or kneel in the presence and worship in the presence of the Eucharist. I know many churches, and it may be for you, there's a church proximate to where you are in winters there that has adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, exposition, where the host is actually exposed, and you can just sit in the Lord's presence, enjoy him. There's a wonderful story of, a, of the Curie of Ars, uh, St. John Vianney, and there was a, a man who would often come in the back of the church, and, and he, would, he wouldn't say anything. He wouldn't, you know, necessarily uh, be praying out loud or anything, but uh, John Vianney asked him, you know, what, what, are, what are you doing? Like, what, what do you, how do you pray here? And he says, I simply just, I just enjoy his presence. And I hope he enjoys mine, right? <laughs> you don't even have to you don't even have to say anything, just to be in the presence of the Lord can often awaken, if you will, the mystery of how the Lord is present. Yeah. Honest question there, Teresa. Thank you for that. And I'm sure you're not alone in in wrestling with that that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, what I've heard in other advice given too is, yeah, just like what Father was saying, give it, give it time. Uh, it doesn't necessarily come overnight, but uh, commit yourself to it and see, see if it doesn't open up to you in some way, shape, or form. Thanks for the call, Teresa. I appreciate yeah. that. Let's uh, let's I, go over I, to Anne now. Oh, go, oh, go I, ahead, I, I Father. Just, 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 just add just one little thing too is it can be helpful to remove things that we don't believe as well. For example, in the host, mm-hmm. we don't believe that Jesus is. Um, extendedly present as a physical body, as if you if we break the host in half, Jesus' body is broken in half, or something like that. Right? It's a sure. it's a sacramental sure. presence. So, in other words, there's ways in which we can remove, um, if you will, uh, things that aren't true that can maybe get in the way of what how what we truly believe. So, I just thought I'd add that as, as a Dominican. <laughs> I was just going to say you're sounding like a Dominican now, Father. Just just so you know, <laughs> that's, that's going on right there. Yeah. Uh, let's go over to. Let's go over to Anne now, calling in from Baltimore, Maryland. Anne, welcome to the show. Thank you for accepting my call. Um, the setting is the wedding feast at Cana when Mary directs the servers, do as my son says. Was she, I know this sounds peculiar, in some way preempting the mission because he says to her woman or mother or whatever, it is not my time. And what did he mean by that? Yeah, no, that, that's, that's, that's an excellent question, and the dynamic of the Blessed Virgin Mary and Jesus is just a wonderful meditation, uh, and it doesn't, I've had to put it, that not every question we can ask about the text is necessarily going to be, you know, uh, answered to its, its fullness in terms of that dynamic, but when Jesus, what we can say is when Jesus refers to his hour in the Gospel of John, he's referring specifically to the crucifixion, that moment of salvation, of redemption. In the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus uh, experiences death, but it's the exaltation of the cross. He says, it is finished, and he hands over his spirit. So actually the giving of the Holy Spirit, his hour, that for which he was sent, is the moment of crucifixion, not just defeat and death, but the handing over of his spirit, if you will. Um, And so when he refers to my hour has not yet come, that's what the reference, he's basically saying, it's not time for me to redeem the world, right? But at the same time, (laughs) Mary intervenes, as you say, and say, you know, do whatever he tells you. So she prompts him to do something, and it's taken that just as the crucifixion is also related to, if you will, in in a kind of um, uh, fruitful way, 
the Last Supper. So in other words, Jesus' body and his blood is made present on that Holy Thursday, but then it's only until Good Friday that you have actually the separation of his body and blood, that moment of his self-gift in that way. So there's a connection. So too, at the wedding feast of Cana, the transformation of water into wine is a foretaste or a sign of the reality of the miracle of the Eucharist that he will give us. So in other words, Mary initiates or takes, if you will, an active part in foreshadowing the great gift of the sacrament that is to come. And he respects that. He honors that. And so it's, it's a wonderful pattern where, as Catholics, we take it that when we go to Mary, she has a privileged place of intercession. In other words, she's always, if we ask, you know, our Lord for something, we, he wants us to, and encourages us to do it through his mother because she's the one through whom that initiation process of making that first miracle that he works and the miracle which has a resonance to the, the source and summit of all of our uh, Catholic life, the, the sacrament of the body and blood of Jesus, is really found. Hopefully that's that helpful, helpful, Anne. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Great explanations from our spiritual director today, Father Michael Hurley. We're taking any questions you have. We're free for all on the questions today. So give us a call, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And Father, speaking of email, I had a very practical and wonderful, as someone who directs RCAA, a question come in. And the question from Cynthia says, if someone wanted to convert and become a Catholic, what would they have to do and who would they contact? Yeah, no, so I would, I would reach out. That's an excellent question. <laughs> I think most churches are equipped with, uh, with uh, a program to receive folks. Uh, notice the, uh, well, now it's called OCIA. That's the correct, Order yes. of Christian Initiation. But I, I still find myself saying RCIA all the time, but, 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 but uh, that's close. So most parishes are equipped uh, to do that. Uh, strictly speaking, it's, it's kind of up to the, the pastor and the, and the local church to that, what that process looks like. Uh, so in other words, I mean, you go all the way back to the early church. It really just takes someone saying, I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I believe, I want to do this, let's do it, you know, at its core. But the church has thought it prudent to have a kind of process where there's both catechetical instruction and experiential kind of guidance and connection with the community as well. And so that's what the OCI process is meant to do in ritual ways to be able to lead a person step-by-step in terms of the formation of mind, the formation of heart, the formation of the whole person, and so I would just I would call the, the local parish, see what they you know. Hopefully the, uh, the the person you know the secretary would know what, how to direct your call. You know you can always just ask the, the priest. I'm sure well the, you know the pastor of the priest will be able to, uh, to to help you there. But I would I would and I would say uh, not every parish is necessarily going to be equally equipped. Sometimes there are parishes that are, are have more resource to do that. So there's and there's nothing wrong with with finding a a fulsome program in your in your local area in your diocese um, because we're we're one church <laughs> we're yeah. one church so there's a, a place that has a more robust um, offering of formation and I say that as, as as a Dominican parish we like to offer that robust <laughs> kind of thing and so I, I, there's 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 there, there's a way there's a way in which you want to be able to connect with our Lord with the community of the church and with the traditions of, 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 of our wonderful faith, our beautiful, powerful faith. Indeed. Thank you for the question, Cynthia. And in the midst of, well, so that's OCIA again, the Order of Christian Initiation of Adults, uh, formerly known as RCIA, the Rite of Christian Initiation of Adults. Um, So check out your local parish there and keep on listening to Relevant Radio. I mean, that uh, has played a 
huge role in a lot of people's conversion to the Catholic <laughs> faith. I know. So, and can I say can I say one more please. thing about that too, John? Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but but I will say if it, oh, I'm sorry, Patrick. <laughs> I'm sorry, Patrick. Um, is there's always when someone else, when someone ever enters on the road to coming into the church, there's always going to be a moment or moment of um, difficulty, of obstacle, of some kind of thing that's going to get in the way. And so if you find yourself at the initial outset feeling that there's barriers, persevere, <laughs> persevere. That's, right. that's my little fervorino. <laughs> no, that's that's absolutely, absolutely 100% true. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for the email, Cynthia. We are taking a, uh, a free-for-all on your questions about God, the Church, the faith uh, here on The Inner Life Today with our spiritual director, Father Michael Hurley, Dominican priest and pastor of St. Dominic Parish in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. If you have a question that you would like to ask, give us a call, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We've got to take another short break, but we're going to be back with more right after this. You can support Relevant Radio in many ways. Joining a giving society, donating a vehicle you don't need anymore, and now donating a piece of land or other real estate. Donate now at RelevantRadio.com slash property. And we are back here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich producing our show for us and Jim Shaper fielding your many phone calls. We've had a number of people with some great questions out there for our spiritual director, Father Michael Hurley, Dominican priest and pastor of St. Dominic Parish in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. And grateful for you being with us, Father, and fielding all these great questions. We're really putting putting you you're, we're Putting you over the rack here, I think, and really stretching <laughs> you a bit. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe if I can actually get your your name right one of these times. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I'm not offended at all. You can call me Chuck, no, Josh, or Patrick. No, no, whatever no. you want to call me is absolutely fine. No problem there. <laughs> Although it might be on the final exam. There all you right, go, exactly. Well, let's, uh, let's go now to here at my home state of Wisconsin. Debbie is calling in from Milwaukee. Welcome, Debbie. Thanks for calling in. Hi, thank you. Can you hear me? Yep, just fine. Absolutely. Okay, my question um, is related to the Divine Mercy Chaplet. One of the promises the Lord Jesus makes to those who say the Divine Mercy Chaplet is that they will receive um, mercy at the time of death. And my question is, if someone died in a state of mortal sin, but they um, said the Divine Mercy Chaplet while they were living, would they still have a chance to be saved? Yeah, no, that's an excellent question, Debbie, about, especially about uh, end of, end of life. Um, the, the, the bottom line is that, <laughs> is that the Lord, well, I'll put it, if, if we're thinking about a hypothetical situation of someone dying in the, in the state of mortal sin, uh, we know that when someone if dies apart from God, that they they can't enter heaven. Why? Because that's their choice. In other words, they're apart from God. But from God's side, God is always offering, if you will, <laughs> that sense of His grace and His mercy. Uh, and so uh, we don't know necessarily how the 
inner workings of God works with any particular individual. In other words, that's why we don't judge any particular individual. The church does never, has never said definitively, there's not like a roster of those who haven't made it to heaven definitively, right? So that's why we can acknowledge those who have made it to heaven, but we literally pray for everyone else um, that has, has come because we, we simply don't know the answer to anyone's particular status in the afterlife. But I would say praying the chaplet of divine mercy anytime we have a devotion to our, our lady, it's a good sign <laughs> That at the moment of our death, which we actually say, you know, uh, deliver us, um, uh, uh, help us at the hour of our death, the end of the, the Hail Mary, it's a good sign that, the, that we're going to have an open heart to respond to the Lord's mercy. Thank you, Debbie. I hope that helps. And uh, yeah, we will, we will say some prayers and trust uh, all, of, all of the souls to the Lord, as Father was just saying. Um, and it's, it's a great thing. And, and by the way, that, uh, that little practice, something I've tried to take up on here too is that whenever we pass a cemetery to make the sign of the cross maybe to pray for the eternal souls of the people mm. lying at rest there that's uh that's another thing we can do to help uh, yeah to help understand that that's where we're all going to be someday right so Absolutely. And, yeah. and can i can i add this yeah, sacra- sac- sacramentally um if someone is ever you know in the hospital or uh, is, you know, not even in danger of death, but kind of in proximity to maybe uh, the fragility of life, um, always call for a priest <laughs> because yeah. the anointing of the sick is not, there is, there are, if you will, last rites or extreme unction, but there's always uh, the prayers and blessings that accompany whenever we're in infirmity. Uh, and so don't, don't wait <laughs> to, to, you know, to the, the very last moment, so to speak, necessarily, uh, to avail yourself of the, of the Lord's mercy, especially in the anointing of the sick uh, and in reconciliation uh, when there's a moment of, of, of sickness, of illness. Yeah, great, great point, Father. Thank you for that. Let's go now to Jack calling in from Hinsdale, Illinois. Jack, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Um, my question is, uh, so Christ, uh, during the Last Supper, says, you know, take this, all of you, and eat of it, of, the, of his body, and then take this, all of you, and drink of it, of his blood. Um, how does this command square with the fact that at every Mass, the blood is not also offered to everybody. You know, he says, take this, all of you. So uh, I was just thinking this because he also says somewhere else, um, you know, if you don't eat my body and if you don't drink my blood, then you can't have eternal life. You know, I know that we, we believe that both are present in the body, both are present in the blood. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems, uh, I mean, it seems like, you know, he still said that we should eat and drink both, you know, and and I guess I'm asking because there are other um, churches that do this, you know, uh, give it to everybody, you know, at at every mass. So I was wondering how, how do we reconcile this? Thank you. Yeah, no, Jack, it's an excellent question. And the uh, practice, I think, of receiving just one of the species that is receiving those, uh, came especially was introduced into the liturgy in its fullness uh, it, it, after the Protestant Reformation because there was a denial of the fullness of the presence of our Lord Jesus in each one of the species, the host and the chalice. And so the church said to um, pedagogically, sacramentally be catechetical, even in its, its worship, just to give 
the um, the Eucharist under the one species of the host. And so, in other words, just as you said, the, I mean, you kind of in the in the question, you, you've already kind of uh, revealed that that it's 100% Jesus, no matter how you receive him, and even no matter how much you receive of it, it's not a quantity or a qualitative thing in that sense, a kind of extended presence. Um, I think in terms of the fullness of the sign value, that receiving both the, the host and the wine absolutely is what intended by the Lord in terms of the sign value. And so I, I think, at least, at least from my experience, giving under both species is a kind of a contemporary practice. Uh, I, so uh, if there are, I know there's uh, some, there are some parishes that just choose to give it under one species or will have a kinship to perhaps uh, the time in the liturgy uh, that was uh, traditionally came right after the Reformation, which once again had care and concern uh, to highlight our belief that the Lord is 100% fully present, even in any of the species. And so it was, if you will, not a doctrinal statement that, or is somehow being um, untrue to the scriptures, but wanted to make uh, the point that his body and his blood is fully present in either one of those forms of species. Thank you, Father, for that. Our spiritual director, Father Michael Hurley, answering your questions about the faith today as we're having a question free for all here on The Inner Life. Give us a call. Uh, there's Our number is 888-914-9149 or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Let's do another email here, Father. Uh, an anonymous writer has said, I have a 15-year-old great niece who has never been baptized. Her single-parent father doesn't practice any faith. Is there a tactful way to encourage my nephew to get his daughter baptized? He was baptized and raised in a Catholic home. Thoughts on that, Father? Mm. Yeah, no, it's it's a great question, especially around family members, people you love that you want you want to see get baptized. Uh, is it, I just it was it was the, uh, the the person that you're hoping to get was fifteen years old. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, so so certainly you want to be involved with uh, the uh, the parent, but one possible way might be just to ask if the fifteen sometimes sometimes out of the uh, the mouths of, of our our young people there's right. a desire for it, and so I how to put it any uh, I would imagine just as a strategy if if uh, if if a fifteen year old daughter would say hey I'm interested in this or this would be something that would be good for me I think that might kind of soften the heart so to speak in that. Way. Way. Um, and so I, basically, it, whenever it comes to approaching this, you, you have to, I always look for, uh, how to put it, um, uh, common ground or something that is, is not just you have to do this or to put a guilt trip on someone like you fail to do something. <laughs> I don't think most folks respond to uh, kind of like, oh, you've, you've been you know, derelict in your duty, even if that's true. It's more like, here's the possibility of what's there, right? In other words, we have a deep-seated need for to love and be loved, and connection with that source of all love is, is and I wouldn't actually say it exactly like this, but just to, to point to where's the goodness, where's the joy, where's the happiness of living our faith, where's the beauty there, and to point to those signs in order to be winsome towards making those approaches to, to the faith. Yeah, yeah, very good. I like that, Father. And uh, I'll just put in a, I'll add a little shameless plug here for tomorrow's show. So Anonymous, you might want to tune in. And anybody who has uh, teenagers or who are teenagers, um, we're going to be focusing in on issues facing teens with a Nashville Dominican sister who's going to be our spiritual director tomorrow. So uh, I'll put that in there as well. So two Dominicans in a row, Father. I don't know what we're doing here. Does the show handle it? 
<laughs> well, I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. Well, back to the phones we go. We've got Rebecca calling in from Phelan, California. Rebecca, thank you for calling in. Welcome to the show. Call. Um, hello, Father. I have a question about sacred traditions because I have a couple Protestant friends that are insisting it's solo scriptura, and I've tried to explain it, and I don't have any examples I can really grab for sacred traditions. I do have the sacraments, but could you explain that a little more, please? Yeah, sure. No, it's an excellent question. And I think the first thing to say is that when it when it comes to, you know, um, dialoguing with our uh, separated brethren, our, our Christian uh, friends, to know that we do, to look for points of um, commonality. In other words, sometimes I'll point out that even in those who believe Sola Scriptura, <laughs> that the, the, the Bible itself uh, wasn't even um, composed in that way. In other words, there was someone outside of the Bible that had to say which books were in the Bible and which ones weren't. And so they'll look to particular scriptures to verify it, but you always have to have someone making those decisions outside of the thing itself. And so, in other words, just simply asking, well, why did we get the Bible? Or pointing out that there are certain books in the uh, Protestant Bible that aren't, that, that, are, that are left out, so to speak. Um, and so just even asking about the goodness of the Bible itself, which we both have commonality, we both believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, but asking even how that was, you know, constituted <laughs> can be a way of approaching the question in a way that I think both, you know, um, Christians uh, who are not Catholic and Christians who are Catholic can agree on the Bible is the revealed Word of God, so just how is that formed? <laughs> and it can't be formed just in principle from itself, because nothing can be a witness for itself. Nothing can verify or self-verify uh, in that way. There's got to be something outside of that. And then once you get into that, maybe kind of delving into that, you begin to see how uh, the Scripture itself um, has moments when it quotes uh, itself, like it's better to give than receive. That's what uh, uh, St. Paul says about Jesus, but you'll, not, you'll never find that anywhere in the Gospel. You'll just find it in, in St. Paul. So in other words, it's clear that St. Paul is working with lots of traditions uh, that go beyond just what Jesus said and did that were written down in the Scripture itself. And even the fact the Scripture wasn't, uh, you know, was uh, first of all um, spoken and not even written down is, is another kind of uh, idea that underscores the tradition. So it just the, the strategy in general is to find places where we agree, and that is that the, the Scripture is the inspired Word of God, and then kind of keep that focus on that uh, to kind of lead to the next step. That would be a way to go. All right. Well, thank you, Father, for that. And Rebecca, I hope that's helpful. And uh, yeah, there's great conversations to be had, too, with our Protestant brothers and sisters around this. I know I frequently have types of conversations myself. So prayers for you, Rebecca, in continuing on in these great, uh, these loving and witnessing conversations that you're having. Father, we're not that far away from asking for your blessing, and i got to tell you, the call screen is full. Thank you to everyone who has called. But here's the wonderful thing about Relevant Radio is that you have listened to an hour of the inner life. But you know what? We've got the Patrick Madrid Show on every morning at 8 a.m. Central for three hours, right up until the inner life. And then we got Father Simon Says coming on at 1 o'clock in the afternoon Central, so you can ask them your questions as well. I'm grateful to you, though, Father, for being our spiritual director, our answer man today on the inner life and uh, fielding all these questions questions so well. So thank you for doing that. May we have a blessing from you, please, Father, as we continue to ask our questions. 
Oh, my, my pleasure, Patrick. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you his peace and his joy. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father. Yeah, yeah. It's very good. It's very good. It's been a fun show, and I thank you for making it that way, Father. And for all of our callers and emailers, thank you. Um, may your questions continue to drive you to Almighty God. Coming out next, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Father Rocky is again our celebrant, so stick around for that. And tomorrow, as I said, we're focusing on issues facing teens, especially when we talk, when we consider the world, the flesh, and the devil. How do these things tempt our teens? That's what we're going to be looking at tomorrow with a Nashville Dominican as our spiritual director. Hope you can join us. Thank you for joining us this time. Until then, grace and peace.